Greetings, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, November the 8th, and I hope that you are doing well. By way of announcement, the next two weeks I will be taking a little time away and will not be preaching. On Sunday, November the 15th, T. Gatewood, our good friend over at Arborville, will be preaching. And I feel that that sermon will probably be able to be found on their website, on Arborville's website. You can Google that. And then the following week, the week of the 22nd, Carl Clausen will be preaching. And don't know if we can get a recording of that, um, if we can get him in here um, during the week at some point in time to do that, then we will. And then I'll be back with you the following Sunday. But this week we re- close out our time looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23. We've been looking through the book of Philippians these last several weeks, and um, I hope that it's been a good study for you. Uh, I know it, I have learned an awful lot. Listen as I read from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever my circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send, send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be wholly pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. As Paul brings his letter to a close, he he moves to tackle one last subject. First, he commends the Philippians for their generosity. This kind of gracious and unprompted giving is remarkable to him, and it brings him so much joy. And later we find that his joy doesn't come from the reception of, of a gift, but rather that more be credited to your account. That's verse 17. In other words, he's filled with joy because God is pleased with their generosity. Paul's joy is the pursuit of God's joy. And despite this praise, Paul uses this opportunity to talk about his own contentment, whether facing plenty or hunger, abundance or need. It's clear that Paul isn't boasting about his own ability and strength here because he states that this is something he had to learn. He's not the source tapped in 
in, into in order to be able to do all things. Whether Paul is resting on a on a couch in Lydia's over the top of top of a wealthy, lavish Philippian homes as recorded in Acts chapter 16, or whether dealing with the constant dangers and hardship of missionary work that's referred to in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul relies solely on the strength that God provides. And what's interesting here is that Paul does not set these two realities, the realities of abundance and the reality of need, against each other. Or in other words, one being favorable over and the other not which is, of course, what I would do. But rather, both, he indicates, have great danger. Interesting. He had to learn the secret of having plenty and abundance because having those are just as dangerous. This reminds us of the exchange between Jesus and the the rich young man, the rich young ruler uh, recorded in Mark chapter 10, 17 through 27 where we learn that it is impossible for those with wealth to be saved outside of a miraculous work of Jesus. Paul is is giving us insight into this work of God by saying that nothing is impossible if God provides the strength to accomplish it, to do it, whether rich or poor. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is more that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. So Paul continues to to praise her generosity, even in the early stages of the gospel's outbreak and the spread. He refers to it as a partnership, which reminds us of his exact language at the very beginning of the letter, verses uh, three through five in chapter one of Philippians. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, he never sees himself as a, as a one-man show or a, or a one-man band. He needs family, partners like the Philippians, and the Lord is faithful to use them to move Paul's mission forward. It's, 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 it's important to note that Paul isn't after their money. He's after their glory. He sees the Philippians as his joy and as his crown. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I long love and long for my joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way friends Philippians 4 1 and he's hungry for their lives to count toward the healing of broken people Paul has been sent to the words Paul uses to depict these gifts are a fragrant offering and a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God he's intentionally echoing the Old Testament sacrificial system showing that this kind of giving is the culmination and the fulfillment of that earlier pre-shadowing. It is the kind of lifestyle that puts God and his purposes first, even if it comes at a great cost. And my God will meet your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now Paul turns to them with a promise. Their sacrificial giving is evidence that they are part of God's family. Paul knows what this means and that God will always provide for their needs.
And the amazing thing is that God doesn't do this based on some intrinsic value system that the Philippians earn or have worked for, which could easily fade if their workings, if their work were to falter or stop altogether. The Lord does it according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So God, when taking in all of the many needs of the Philippian church, doesn't scramble to find provision or warrant for blessing them. He's not caught off guard. With everything that's happening around us, in our local communities, in our country, friends, we have to remind ourselves that God's word says over and over again that God is not caught off guard. And as I record this, I'm recording this on Thursday. And so who knows what the outcome of our election is, but make no bones about it. It really doesn't matter who the president is because the king never changes. The king is on his throne and, and we are of his kingdom and his kingdom shall not fail. And at some point, we have to believe that. We have to keep reminding ourselves of that. He doesn't, he doesn't ask us their, their value based on how good they've been. God taps into the infinite riches of glory in Jesus Christ, a limitless, limitless storehouse of provision, of blessing. So why does Paul want us to know this? He never, ever wants us to doubt God's ability to provide. Any doubt we might have here would start from an uncertainty of whether we've earned or warranted his, his provision, his grace, his mercy, or if he's able to provide against what seems hopeless and impossible circumstances. Paul is saying that there is not a circumstance that the Lord can't provide for. Or is there a reason he won't provide abundantly more than we can ask or imagine for his family? When he blesses his family, the blessings come from an infinite and immeasurable glories of Jesus. We get bountiful provision and God gets the glory forever. And it should be said that this is not God providing everything we want the way we want it. That's not what the scripture says, nor is it God giving us anything other than what we absolutely need. And we do not always know what we need, but the Lord does. Sometimes this means we get something we don't want at all, but it's exactly what we need to grow deeper into our knowledge of Jesus, which is the most important thing. And the Lord will stop at nothing, will spare no expense to give us what we need, which is more of Jesus. This is why Paul says earlier that, that he relies on him who strengthens. You see, Jesus is the provision. Picking up at verse 21, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Finally, closing his letter, Paul issues a blessing that the greetings of those who are far away but are still part of God's family with Philippi. This letter is, is hinted at in the, in the start, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 2. It, it is a mother load of grace. Paul is giving them this grace, the knowledge of Jesus that they get from this letter, and he prays that it would be with their spirit. You see, knowing Jesus Christ is knowing real grace, real peace. 
So what's our response? I think this demands a response. So what is it, right? It doesn't matter who we are. Paul, Paul's laid out a spectrum that we all land on somewhere, whether we are enjoying abundance or whether we're an incredible need or swinging back and forth on that pendulum. Paul's message at the close of this letter is for every one of us. What we need to see is that there is a danger involved in both because both can distract us from what we need the most and what we are made for, and that is to know Jesus Christ and his power. He is the king. Everything else around us will fail eventually. Maybe not in my lifetime, maybe not in yours, but this is not the kingdom. We are sojourners. We are visiting this place. Our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to the kingdom of God. What if we acted like that? What if we were reminded of that daily? What if, like Paul, we learned what it is to be content, whether in plenty or in want? We are somewhere on that spectrum. And there's a danger. There's a danger in being at either one. Is he everything to us? Is he gain to us even at death? When we lose everything defined as abundance in this life, Philippians chapter 121, is there nothing for us of greater surpassing value than knowing Jesus Christ? When our joy is wrapped up in Jesus, it's not controlled by what we have or what we don't have. Neither abundance or need have any real importance to us because we have the most valuable thing in the world. Jesus. And as we learned in that brief two-part prayer last week, oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. So to him who was able to keep you and I from stumbling and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen, and go in peace.